Hey everyone, it's the boys you know, the POD cast with that wicked flow. We got a bunch of ladies on the go. So come on and get down and check out crazytown.town. This is episode number 16 <laughs> of the POD cast. Uh, it is your favorite podcast about new metal. I am John and uh, with me is the 50% owner of crazytown.town, Brian Quinby. What's up, Brian? It's an investment. It's a $13 investment or whatever. Yeah, baby. It's even cheaper for you. I mean, I think the price is in Canadian dollars. So you're even, you, you got a cheap stake in this thing. Oh man, we're going to make so much fucking money off of this thing. This is great. This it's is good incredible. news. Cause you know, there are a lot of, after listening to this album, I fully understand that there are a lot of people probably looking for crazy town info <laughs> on the we're internet gonna, we're gonna give it to them you know yeah someone someone has to so it might as well be us uh we're gonna get to that in a second uh but if this is your first time tuning in this is the pod cast it's a podcast about new metal and we always like to i always like to start the show with a with a greeting in the style of the artist we're doing and if you haven't guessed already this month uh we are covering crazy towns the gift of game this is episode 16 of this here show and uh yeah, I guess we can give you a little bit of, of background. Uh, Brian and I recorded a bonus episode uh, last week with the great uh, our great friends at Roach Coach, uh, a fellow new metal podcast. And uh, we were talking about how we were doing this album. And then I started looking at the track listing as we were talking to them. And I noticed that the outro of this album is just called outro www.crazytown.com. And I brought this up on the episode and then Lauren from Roach Coach told us that they looked into crazytown.com and it is no longer owned by the band. It is owned by a domain registration company and uh, the domain registration company, or I guess whoever owns the domain, uh, they want uh, $50,000 for it. So that's more than I would pay for it. Just <laughs> <laughs> letting you know that. That's yeah, I significantly mean, more, more than anyone would pay for it. So we we, <laughs> we learned some stuff. If you, if you also listen to Block Party, you've already heard this story. So I, I apologize. But yeah, basically what happened was or what we learned from another uh, from a Twitter account that deals with Twitter domains is that if you own like any like real word.com or any two real words.com like that are dictionary words you basically won't find that for under $25,000. And okay. I don't know, like, Brian, do you have a theory on why that is? Well, I, I mean, here's the thing, though. I'm more interested in why crazytown.com is double that, because you would think <laughs> it would just be the $25,000 is how much that would cost. You would think so. I wonder, it might be partially because of the band, but I also wonder if it's like, they're just hoping whoever owns it is hoping that like some billionaire decides to start like a bunch of children's play places called yeah town. yeah they're gonna be like well we need crazytown.com so that is possible that i mean i think it's very likely that it is some huge fan of the band that can't give up the uh can't give up the um fucking IP. domain i guess yeah. yeah the ip it's bumming them out probably like the ceo of GoDaddy. probably <laughs> well <laughs> that is, like a that's crazy who town fan. The, like they don't own the domain but what GoDaddy does is they'll find out who owns the domain and they will broker the sale for you 
And, and, and here, here's what I will say. This is a tidbit I didn't talk about on Blocked Party. So what happened was we went to crazytown.com on the Roach Coach bonus episode. And I emailed the company being like, I will give you $100 for this domain. And this, uh, this woman named Stephanie emailed me back. And she was like, we can't accept your offer of $100, but thank you anyway. And then I was like, well, how much does it cost? Even though I already knew it cost $49,999 from looking it up online. And she was like, it costs $49,999. Jesus. I, was, I just wanted her to say it to my face. So then this is the part I didn't talk about on Block Party. I think no one has ever asked about crazytown.com because after she told me that price, I literally just emailed her back and I said, wait, what? All lowercase. And then she was like, well, that's the, we don't own the domain, but that's the price that's been set. And I was like, and then I didn't respond. Then a day later, she emailed me back again. And I feel like it's pretty clear at this point. I offered her $100 to start. Then when she told me it was $50,000, I replied, wait, what? In all lowercase. And she thought, you know what? This guy might be a legit buyer. I better check back in and email him the next day. And then I didn't respond. And then the day after, her boss emailed me and was like, hey, you know, I heard that uh, you're potentially interested in crazytown.com and I'd be happy to help you broker a deal for it. So, I mean, I think they're getting desperate is what I'm going to say. Yeah, I don't know why Crazy Town doesn't buy it back. They released a single in 2020. I, I listened to it actually last week. <laughs> Yeah, and how was it? <laughs> Had to see what they were doing in 2020 when I saw. I'm I'm, I'm looking up the the date that it came well, out. But the, Ryan, you know they're called Crazy Town X now because Epic left the band, so Shifty Shellshock changed their name to Crazy Town X. Because oh, wanted, really? Oh, you know, it's like a new form of the band. Yeah, it's called Fly Away. This song, and it came out in August 19th, 2020. So I thought I would. Uh, <laughs> We needed it just when yeah. you know when we thought shit i've been struggling for five months i lost my job man i hope crazy town releases a single yeah it's it's also it's depressing i i'll just say that it is about uh uh it talks about like a lot of people who died of like overdoses and suicide and then he talks about how close he was to those things that's what the song's about so it's like kinda, yeah it's just i don't know it wasn't good at all but you know that'll be a theme with crazy town i Boy. think i think this show was <laughs> it this show was made to talk about crazy town there's nothing in this world that I want to talk about more than the band crazy town and like, uh, uh, Oh, I don't even know. I, this is just a, this is exactly what I like to talk about in this world is right. this like this, like second wave fucking, uh, uh, the second wave new metal too late to the party. Shit is just, Oh my God. It makes me want to nominate only bad stuff now, which, and I've stopped that. Stop that impulse because <laughs> I, I fucking hated this shit. We'll get to the ah, album. Why? Okay. Well, we'll get to it in a second. It. I just want to, I just no, we can talk say. about others. Yeah. We can, we can banter all, all no. day. I'm just like sitting around thinking like, no, you want to get to it. And that's, 
That's good. I respect it. I just, all I want to say is that I think your theory that crazytown.com is owned by a fan is right. Cause I think that they probably were just waiting for crazy town to lapse on the domain. And then they're like, okay, I, I own it now. Oh, that but would be cool. We, Brian and I were like, we, we got too invested in this. And so as you might've guessed from the opening, Brian and I now own crazytown.town. <laughs> and it cost 26 Canadian dollars. And that's with domain even... protection. We could have got it for cheaper. So, so yeah, so we're going to set something. We, it is not currently live right now, but we're going to set something up on crazytown.town where we'll have like a link to our Patreon. We're going to put all the challenge results up there and we're going to put all the tweet defense scores up there. So that's our plan. It's going to be a very shitty website in the vein of old new metal websites and that'll be the new home of the POD cast, crazytown.town. So stay yeah. tuned for that. It's coming. It's not there yet, but it's coming up. Like a uh, guitar hero type flash game where you have to uh, uh, like put your shitty raps through somebody else's shitty raps. Yes. You know what I mean? I do. I mean, that's I, started I started the episode with a shitty rap and that's, that's what we're going to get to. So yeah, normally we do a lot of banter off the top of the show, but I know Brian, you've been itching for this all day and uh, you know, I'm ready to talk about it too. So we'll get into the facts about the album and then we'll, and then we'll get right into it. So this is, as we've said, crazy towns, the gift of game. It came out on November 9th, 1999. It was recorded in Los Angeles. Uh, this album has sold uh 2.5 million copies uh it went it went platinum in both canada and the united states selling 1.6 million copies in the states selling a hundred thousand in canada and uh it's gone gold in seven other countries and as i said it sold over 2.5 million copies uh in reading uh some stuff about this album just a couple things before we just get right into it uh, obviously, this album was made on the strength of Butterfly, which you'll note the album came out November 9th, 1999. Butterfly was not released as a single until February of 2001. Butterfly was the third single off of this album. Toxic was the first single. Dark Side was the second single. And uh, if you do some research about the band, uh, you will learn that the album had sold 100,000 copies. And then Butterfly was released and sold 1.5 million off of the back of that single. So pretty unbelievable numbers. Uh, the record is, uh, you know, people really hate it. Most of the reviews are quite negative. Ah. They sold, <laughs> I know, shocking, right? Uh, they I sold can't believe though, I can't, did, did, because uh, I know you look a little bit more than I do. Well, yeah. a lot more than I do. Did did uh, 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 the in, the reviews at the time were negative? Yeah, they were bad. Yeah, it says right here. It says uh, Steve Huey at All Music described the album as similar to many other rap inflected alternative metal albums in that it concentrates on sound over structure, creating macho aggressive grooves with grinding, noisily textured guitars and the underlying feel of squared off hip hop beats. He argued that despite signs of Limp Bizkit's juvenile humor, the album shows promise. April Long of NME criticized the album for its generic guitar riffs and the fact that it contains some of the most Neanderthal lyrics ever written. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Can't argue with that, really. I mean, <laughs> it's weird. It's so hard for me to talk about this because like, I, I do think like part of me... 
I see why people like it. It seems like it seems like something that would never get good reviews. I I understand it got bad reviews, but uh, uh, it seems like something that um, would have gotten at least some good reviews because it's it is competently done. You know, are you sure? I think it is. Yeah, I think uh, the songs sound know. good and the recordings sound. I mean, it was, good. it was produced by Josh Abraham, who's done a ton of stuff. Who's uh, that? What's what else has he done? Pink, like, Thirty Seconds to Mars, Weezer, Lincoln Park, Shakira, Kelly Clarkson, Carly Rae Jepsen, Adam Lambert, Slayer. Like he's one. Dude, of, he's a big producer. Oh, okay. I am John. I gotta say this. Uh, I just found out that my office is directly across from my neighbor's office, and I can see him in his office now. And I feel like we're just gonna start staring at each other for the for the rest of forever. I like move some stuff. <laughs> I've never seen this guy in my life. I've never like looked at him before because I keep my like, head even down. When you guys, like you never come out of your house at the same time or anything? No. Nobody comes out of their houses the same time as I do. It's always like late <laughs> at night or <laughs> midday no describe brian he only leaves his house at like 1 30 p.m when everyone's at work and 1 30 a.m when everyone is <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've i've never seen this guy in my life and now i'm i'm able to look at his office and it feels real good actually i kind of like looking into my neighbor's house yeah it feels like you got a bit of an audience you know yeah i'm a peeping tom now <laughs> i've well i don't I've, know I don't think I've talked about this on this show. I think I talked about it a bit on Block Party, but um, in my old apartment, we lived across, like we were in a in a high rise apartment, and we were on the fourteenth floor, and the there was a just an alley that separated us from the other apartment building right across the way. So I mean, it was like a fishbowl; you could see everything. And we had a guy that lived across from us, and we're pretty sure he was like a cam guy because he would he Ooh. would vacuum his apartment naked, but he would do it oh. for like an hour. And it was like you're it was like a 500 square foot apartment and he'd just be okay completely naked and just vacuuming and we're like okay there's a webcam here you know this is a fetish thing something's going on here uh, i wondered huge, i mean huge dong so i mean respect respect the game you know the gift of game as it were i hope this guy across from me doesn't jack off in his office like that is <laughs> Maybe that's, that's what's doing right now because it's late for your. We're recording. It's eleven thirty p.m. So yeah, he left the room. You're a podcaster, but he might be in his office because that's where he. That's where he jo's. He has been in his office quite a bit today. I gotta say, I'm gonna go knock on his door and be like, "Dude, you spend too much time in your office." I'm in mine because I'm playing Tony Hawk in there, which is yeah, that's way my job. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> Yeah, play Tony Hawk and then talk about Crazy Town. Your job <laughs> is an MTV reporter in 2001. That is, that is my job. <laughs> I never even thought about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you uh, made it, dude. Uh, so, Gift of Game, Crazy Town. Let's talk about, before we get into the album, as we always do, let's talk about our history with the album or with the band in general. What's your um history with crazy town because i feel like this is sort of around the time period where you're sort of getting out of new metal it is not only that but it's also like i was still very into metal 
you know, and I think I was still kind of in the new metal at this time too. I'm about four years in, you know, I, 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 I would love to figure out what came out, what else came out in 1999. I, I guess significant other came out. Yeah. No, this is 2001 though. Right. Butterfly came out in 2001, but gift of game itself came out in 99. So you might not have been aware of crazy town until 2001. No, I was aware of them because I, I do know that I really wanted the album. Right. But like back then, uh, uh, you had to buy the album to get it. It wasn't like you could just download it and burn it like. But I had read about Crazy Town and they hit all of the things that I wanted to hear a band do. And then also I may have seen them at an Ozfest, but you know how it is when you see, first of all, when you see something at Ozfest anyway, it was like shit, but like seeing something at a festival is, I mean, you can't really say you saw them live. It feels like. Oh to me. yeah. Yeah. It's a different like, feel for sure. Especially a fest like that, where the band's probably playing like a 30 minute set. Uh, and there's just yeah. so many bands back to back. It's not a real, yeah, that's not a real set, but I did watch them perform but like i this was the first time i've heard this album was this thing and uh my buddies went and saw them in concert and they said they sucked uh they were younger than me the 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 friends of mine that went they saw them opening for somebody and they said that like eh, you know it kind of they stunk and they didn't like them back then so like if if like at that time we were they you know we're all at the age where like going to a concert makes the show good like it, it, just the lo- loudness of it is enough for you to yeah. be like oh i'll give that a very high review those well, every concert is like that was the best night of my life <laughs> yeah 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 i mean i think you know it's funny i think about that too sometimes like uh you know, if I was putting together like a worst concerts list, it would be really hard because it's like, like if if I had to name my top 10 worst concerts, like I can probably think of like three or four that come to mind, but to start putting together like 10, it's hard. Like I've been to lots of average concerts, but like you say, when you're starting to think of it as like, oh, this band was bad. Like they got to be pretty fucking bad for you to leave there and be like, man, that was bad. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm like struggling to come up with one. I have seen, I've seen some pretty legendarily bad concerts. Like I saw a uh, uh, country musician, David Allen Coe, who's just like an older guy, you yeah. know? Yeah. He's like yeah. really old and it was the worst thing I've ever seen. Plus there was like a VIP section and there were bikers in it. I went, I went to this show because my wife has been a fan of him. Like not the racist songs, by the way, the, the other songs. Sure, my wife sure. has yeah, been, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she separates my, the art from the artist. Yes. Uh, she's been a fan of him though, since she was like a teenage, like 12. You know what I mean? And like, uh, I took her to see it on her birthday. There's this like VIP section and there's a bunch of bikers sitting in it. Everybody is like shit face drunk. And then this like little, this little couple who is probably like a nerd guy that's just super into country music. Cause you know, David on co is like the, the super classic type of country music. It is like the type of stuff that I enjoy. And he got up with his wife. They were there having the night of their life. 
and and he got up with his wife and he started dancing with her and fucking David Allen Coe stopped the whole show and made them sit down because he's not a singer. He's a singer songwriter. He doesn't make dance music. Oh my God. He also covered uncle cracker, which was (laughs) a really weird moment. That's what everyone wants from David Allen Coe. It's like Bob Dylan covering corn. It doesn't make any sense. Yes. uh, You guys, uh, you guys heard this uh, freak on a leash song. Uh, It's pretty good. But it was like that concert was like legendarily bad. And then also I saw Killer Mike once, which it he was good. But the concert was at 6 p.m. And they had a hard out at 830. Oh, we hate that. I, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, we've been there. We, but, I, ha- I mean, we have a few venues in Vancouver that are like that, where they like the club nights at 10. So if there's a concert, the concert's got to start at seven and everything's got to be done by nine so they can get the get the club, the clubbers in there or whatever. And what do you call them? I was going to say yeah. club kids, but that's not right. That's a different thing. This was Kid Rock. I mean, not Kid Rock, Killer Mike, though. That's yeah, the, yeah. That's, I hate you clubs. Killer Mike at 6 p.m. Yeah, it was a goth night. They needed to get their goth night started. And it's just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. But yeah, you're you're right. Like, as far as bad concerts, it's really hard for me to just be like, because here's the other thing. I have been to so many concerts now. And I have a deep appreciation for stuff that sucks. That like, if a concert sucks, I would almost prefer it to it being good in a way. Like yes. at least it gets, it's like one of those things where like, at least I can feel something. Yes, you know? for sure. It's like me with comedy. I'm very much that way now where, you know, if you're a comedian by default, you watch a ton of comedy and it's like, it needs to be one of two extremes. It either needs to be excellent or bad. If it's just like above average comedy, that's like the least interesting thing in the world to me. It's yeah. like, cool, you're good at this and it's fine, but like, I don't care. Like you yeah. either need to be phenomenal and excellent or bomb your fucking ass off. That's the only two things that are interesting to me anymore. So I, right. so I see it from that perspective too. Yeah, I, I feel the same. It's like, I've seen a couple, like I said, maybe a handful of concerts that I could describe as bad. Um, and then, yeah. And then it's just like a lot, a lot of great, amazing concerts. And then, yeah, there's the, the ones where you're just like, yeah, it was good. Like they played the songs well and I like the songs, but like, yeah, it was good. I don't know. You know, it's, it's yeah, like going it to the, the movies. Yeah. It, it, it's like going to see a movie. It's like, that was serviceable, I guess, you know, yeah, <laughs> totally. Gentlemen, I, I, I didn't have to leave my house, but I did, I guess. So like, yeah, whatever, that's good. I suppose two stars two, <laughs> yeah. just a nice gentleman's two star, uh, uh, or three star. It's a gentleman's three. It's a two star concert, but you're like, yeah, I'll give it a three. A you know? Yeah. And we're nothing if not gentlemen, Brian, that's me. Say, but yeah. So, this was kids that were younger than me. This is my younger brother who's five years younger than me and his friends who are all, you know, five years younger than me. Right. And they go to this show. They've probably only been to 10 shows in their whole life. And they went and saw it and they were like, that was not good. They were not good. So yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine they're good. But my experience with them was I hated them. And here's why. Butterfly. I hadn't gotten a chance to hear them. 
uh, over the years that I wanted to hear them in 1999 when they launched after I read about them in like alternative press or some spin magazine or some kind of thing after I read about them I read what they were I was like I'm really fucking interested in this this was my side of new metal uh, you know, there are kind of yeah. two sides of new metal. One goes like way more metal and one goes more rap. And I was way more on the rap side. Right. Of new metal. So like, uh, um, I didn't hear it. And then butterfly came out and that was my first chance to hear it. And like at that time it was just like, I can't like this song. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I can't like this song and I can't like this band. My friend, like what would my friends think? Totally. It's well, all me just jam into this. It was so interesting. It's so interesting you say that because I feel the same way. Like it, it was really funny. Obviously, I knew that like Butterfly was a huge song. By the way, Butterfly went to number one on the Billboard 200. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't think too many new metal songs have that distinction. If any, it might be one of the only, if might be the only new metal song that went to number one on the Billboard 200. I mean, that's very hard to do. I mean, um, it's a huge, it's, it, I mean, that song was just fucking massive. massive i mean they still they still use it in fucking movie trailers and shit you yeah. know yeah and and but it is interesting because i feel the same as you in that butterfly was the song that broke them but i think for guys like you and me who were new metal fans i feel like that's the song that like turned new metal like if you were a true new metal fan then that's what made you hate the band like it was this ironic thing where pardon me i feel like they traded they traded some of their credibility for popularity in in some ways and they they address that i mean we're going to get to interviews with them later which are you know truly wild as always but um you know that's something that they talked about that like they played ozfest and people would like boo them at ozfest and wouldn't want to hear butterfly or whatever and they would go out and they'd be like yeah we just got to rock out and show everybody that we're the you know we're not just butterfly and that's not what we're about or whatever but that is kind of the way it was like butterfly i mean for la- you know again we've talked on this show before 1999 or i guess in this case 2001 was a different time and we were worse men but like it was like a girly song that was how i thought of it it was like you know oh there's like rapping in this like whatever but like this is a song for girls girls like this i don't like this you know well, I, and and also it was just, at the, go ahead sorry john also at the time i didn't like hip-hop yeah, or right. I did like rap music, but I only really the only kind of rap music I liked at the time was like the Wu Tang Clan and shit like that. You know, it wasn't the pop stuff. And that song was that song was like a Destiny's Child song to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, that's how I, I think that's how I felt about it for sure. And I, I think it was like. I'm the opposite of you. I was, I wasn't even, I wouldn't even say necessarily into the metal aspect of new metal. I was more into the, like the, the, the poppier it was, the more I liked it, you know, like, I mean, corn, like follow the leader is probably my favorite corn album. That's probably their poppiest album for lack of a better word. Certainly their most accessible you'd say. And then obviously like, as it got into the turn of the 21st century, I went in the direction of like Lincoln park and incubus mellowed out. And I really liked incubus and, you know, bands like that, POD, you know, stuff like that. I was, I was stained even like I was on board with all that stuff where in, in the way that you weren't. And so crazy town, 
this song, I mean, all I really knew was Butterfly, but it didn't tick any boxes for me. It was like, I didn't really like super rap heavy new metal. I like Limp Biscuit was the closest, but even then like Limp Biscuit had lots of like huge choruses and they weren't like a strictly hip hoppy band. Um, you know, so I didn't like the hip hop aspect of it. I didn't like that. It was kind of poppy. Um, and I just, I like the video. Like I hated the video. I thought these guys look like just absolute losers, just total goons, you know, mm. shifty shell shocks, like shirtless and all tattooed. And then Epic is like, thinks he's like, like a heart. He's acting like a hardo, but he's in like a jungle with, like, <laughs> with butterflies literally flying around. You know, I feel like we talked about that with the stained episode, but it is very much like the music video was such a paint by like, Oh, the song's called butterfly. Let's put him in a jungle with a bunch of butterflies yeah. and everyone on, and everyone from the top at the label to the bottom was like, yep, sounds great. That's perfect. That's exactly what we want. You know, like I bet there was a pitch corn got for freak on a leash. That was just like them with a bunch of dogs, like some music video director for sure was like, let's just have Jonathan Davis run around with a bunch of dogs, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, uh, unless like they, specifically pitched what they wanted but uh, right. uh yeah. yeah you're right and butterfly that the video does suck but i will say this about the video uh i do i am nearly 100 sure that i wanted to be shifty shell shock <laughs> when i saw that video i just know i just know who i am as a person and like the uh uh the that his look was what I wished I looked like at right. the time. I mean, definitely and, like a hot, like for the late nineties, like that's as hot of a guy as you could find really. Right. Like and it's funny, like seven years old though, at that time too. <laughs> I know, but it was just like all the, like, even, I mean, he taught, I mean, he raps about it enough on the album that you can understand that he was, you know, a bit of a ladies man, but that also gets brought <laughs> up in all the interviews too, where he's literally just like, yeah, I just like have so much sex all the time. Like, it's just crazy how much sex I have. And you're like, yeah, cool, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, this yeah. is the fucking not what people are. You're not you're not supposed to say that part out loud with new metal. I don't think, you know, no, like, because like the other bands were not. I mean, I guess Limp Bizkit did it a little bit. I would say Limp Bizkit kind of played to that sort of well because it's fred right so fred sort of played a little bit to that like yeah we're i'm fucking a lot of groupies and like we're living a bit of a rock star lifestyle but a lot of new metal bands were just made up of like insular gremlins you know yeah. like corn <laughs> and system of a down and all these you're like oh these guys they it looks like they just stepped outside for the first time this outdoor concert i'm seeing them at looks like the first time they've ever been outside well and and yes absolutely and also just like yeah that's what killed hair i think there was the conventional wisdom at the time was that's what killed hair metal too was the like uh, uh decadence and and the way we would talk about it with like grunge even grunge came in and it fucking knocked out all that decadence and all the 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 clothes and the hair and all that stuff and it just brought normal dudes back and new metal really was kind of a um it was it was coming back like with style like it it had its own style and it was influenced by other stuff but like 
I don't think at the time I thought I was listening to guys who would brag about having a lot of sex, you know, like I, I thought I was listening. I definitely thought I was listening to misogynistic guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not now. I, I, I mean, now, obviously I know that, but I, I think that I thought I was listening to sensitive men t- talking through their feelings is what I thought I was listening to. Right. Yeah. And I think it was like you, you almost, um, it was almost like the Drake effect. Like, I think I've talked about this before, but like, you know, Drake has that uh, not so much anymore, but in his early career had that like unique ability to like make you feel bad for things he was bragging about. Like, he'd be like, oh shit, I've had sex with four different girls this week. And it's, it's hard being me, man. Was, you don't understand how tough this is. And I feel like that was kind of how I felt about like corn and limp biscuit and, bands that it seemed like they were genuinely uncomfortable with being famous and it was like okay i mean fred no but like the rest of limp biscuit and then certainly corn it it just felt like yes they're having sex with lots of women but that's just because that's the position that they were put in and they they're don't they don't they're not really like that you know what i mean like I, i think i related to it in a way where i was like well like if I sold millions of records and girls were throwing themselves at me, like I would probably also have sex with them. But like, <laughs> I get that I would have feelings about it. You know, like I, <laughs> I didn't think of it as like, uh, Oh, let's just stack up a bunch of kills. Like cr- that's the way crazy, the way crazy town talks about it is like, you know, it has a very like uh, Anthony Kiedis vibe to it. Not even, you know, accepting the fact that uh butterfly uses a red hot chili pepper sample, but like, Anthony Kiedis wrote in his book that he like lost his virginity when he was like 10 years old or whatever. And like the shifty shell shock has the same kind of vibe of like, yeah, like ever since I was like 12 years old, like I've just been, I've had sex everywhere, park benches, school bus, you name it. I've fucking been there, man. And you're just like, okay, I thought this is not, I mean, I didn't hear, I didn't hear this album until we listened to it for this show either. So you and I are in the same boat on that page, but like, I think even at the time, if I had heard it, I would have been, I wouldn't have liked that part of it. Cause I was still pretty scared of sex at the time. I was like 14. I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure I'm ready for any of this. So him being like, yeah, I got a revolving door installed on my house. I'd be like, okay, ooh, easy. Yeah. <laughs> this oh Hey, what, what does he mean by that? Um, I don't know it's funny to start thinking about would I have liked it if I had heard it back then? Because, uh, yes, 100%. <laughs> I would have fucking loved this album. It would have blew my fucking world up. And, and I, I should have listened to, it. I should have bought it. You know, and now I'm thinking about how, like, well, I was broke as fuck. I was like a scumbag and any money I got, I spent on, drugs or cigarettes or whatever i was buying at that time i don't know a thousand cigarettes brian one thousand yes i did that's a funny lyric but i was i was spending all my money on on bullshit so like uh basically my cd collection was whoever's cd collection i was hanging out with right (laughs) it was kind of like crazy town because they heard butterfly and, and they were like i can't put this on in front of my friends well, I, and you know, I used to do this thing though. I was such a dirt bag. I used to do this thing where like, I would be like, uh, talk to one of my friends and be like, we should go look around the record store. I, don't know, I might buy something, you know? 
And then they we get there and I'd be like, oh, I heard this crazy town's really good. And they'd be like, you should buy it. And I'd be like, I don't have any money. Like, you, <laughs> you should buy it. <laughs> we could both enjoy it. <laughs> How many times did that work? I mean, it worked a lot. I'm a little <laughs> manipulative little fucker. But like, I just, this was a, I, this album, there is not a wide gulf and I I'm, I, I'm going to say something that is probably going to get you up in a, a frenzy here. Okay. There's We're, not a yeah. wide, wide gulf between this and Limp Biscuit at all. Like this is okay. As good. No. Okay. Come it on. Is, it is it not is. as good as Limp Biscuit. What? <laughs> Maybe it's because it's new and I'm just getting joy out of it or something. I don't I know. Mean, that is nuts. You said a lot of crazy shit on this show. That is nuts. It's also a weird sentence that I had to speak out of my mouth to be like, this is not better than Limp Bizkit. <laughs> or like objectively <laughs> a band that like most people think is one of the worst bands ever. I'm like, how I don't dare you insult the good name of Limp Bizkit? I don't think this is better than Limp Bizkit. That's, well, it's not, I mean, I'm being so. a little bit of a smart aleck there, but like, I also Are you don't manipulating know. me, Brian. I'm not going to buy yeah. a CD for you. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I don't, I don't fucking know what the big difference is. I guess. Oh, it's, I mean, I can what tell I would you. Say to you. Lot, I, mean, I would love to hear it. Okay. Uh, everything, everything about it is, <laughs> is fucking way worse than Limp Bizkit. The rapping is worse. I like this is worse than no. Fred's lyrics. No, nope. this is worse than nope. Fred's lyrics for sure. It is, Brian. I'm not gonna Come let you on. do that. Come it's on, not. you think that these lyrics are on par with Fred's? I do. The raps are better than Fred's raps. No, oh my god, one hundred percent sure. The lyrics on this are nuts, dude. No, they're bad. They're problematic. I, I agree. Well, problematic but and they're bad. They're bad, bad, though. They're no, they're as good as Fred's. Here's oh. where here's where Limp Biscuit wins. Okay. Wes Borland, John Otto, Sam Rivers, and I guess DJ Lethal, if I yes. gotta throw it in there. But I'll say this: the turntables on this album are better than DJ Lethal's. Okay. I think that. I really do. And and I think that like this it's is just wild. this is fucking wild. <laughs> it is my mind over here. It is not good. I don't want people to go back and be like, Brian said Crazy Town is good. I am they, saying that's exactly what they're going to do, Brian. You said they're as good as Limp Biscuit, man. That's fine. But it's 20 in 2020. I can sit down and listen to fucking Crazy Town and I cannot for the life of me see what the big difference is. <laughs> I am. Fucking, I mean, I don't even know what to say. It's like it, 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 the only thing I can think of is someone being like, I don't know why everyone hated the live action Lion King. It's basically the same as the original Lion King. There's no difference. Same thing. You know, it's like they, <laughs> it's just nuts, dude. Like, like they're, cause they're kind of working with the same source material, but I mean, Limp Biscuit has better riffs better yeah. like there's no riffs on this album there's no melody on this album at all 
This really? album is just a nonstop assault. This album yeah. is an assault. That, but yeah. no, you're sit, you're nodding and smiling like that. <laughs> that's bad. Whole <laughs> album felt like an assault. It felt like I was fucking attacked. It was like you you could if I was leaving my house at 1:30 a.m. tonight and a criminal that wanted to attack me, he would be he would hurt me more if he pinned me down and put headphones on with this album playing than if he just it's, punched me and left me laying in the gutter. Okay? It's fucking crazy. I I mean <laughs> like if if an academic did a study <laughs> On Crazy Town and Limp Biscuit, they would be like, there's no statistical kind of like difference between these things. We can't there. They would say, like, we can't figure out how they're different bands other than again, you're totally right about the lyrics are bad on here they're yes. they're they're bad they're so bad like bad material wise i guess yeah. but but ba- fred durst's raps also aren't they're very bad. good for sure and if bad. i would have known you were uh, and i knew you were gonna be like this too i knew you were gonna be all grouchy and stuff and you're gonna be like oh these fucking these fucking guys suck i just didn't think there was any possible way you would be like, no, this is a totally, this is almost a different genre than Limp Biscuit. Actually, this is, this is, uh, uh well, I, I wasn't trying to say that. I, you, this is like how you were, saying. you were not saying it was a different genre. You were saying that you just literally said, statistically, it's the same. It is the same. It's not the same. If there was a Venn hey. diagram that said Limp Biscuit and Crazy Town, that would be a circle, my oh friend, my or very it would not be a oh big middle with like fucking hat, like little, okay. little, you know, when the moon's real thin, it would have just these two little thin things on the side. I, I just, again, if I'm fucking putting scores together here, if sure. I'm, if I'm like, if I'm putting scores with these, but I think the raps and the turntables on this album are better than on oh i'll just say chocolate starfish i won't say significant other i will just oh, say it starts to walk it back now he's no. now all of a sudden we're in the record store and he doesn't have any money <laughs> <laughs> no that's not why I, I am saying that like it's i think significant other is is way better than this and it's it's probably one of my favorite new metal albums i also just feel like it's not that different from this i don't know how it's that different to you i guess is what i'm trying to say (sighs) i'm gonna let you go here's what here's what i would say i'll calm down a bit here's what i would say i first of all i don't like your venn diagram comparison only because i think that that is what people who don't like new metal would say people who don't like new metal would listen to a crazy town song and listen to a limp biscuit song and be like, well, this is the same thing. I don't know how you could even, I don't know how anyone likes this. It's all bad. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and this is a podcast about new metal. We are the academics, Brian. We're the guys who are supposed to find the differences and things in these, in these 
records. So for you to say like, oh, I don't know. I think they're just kind of the same is crazy town. You're in <laughs> crazy town dot town, Brian. I just can't. Okay. Here's what I would say is that here's how they're way, way, way different. Limp Bizkit tries to write choruses. That's number one, how they're different. This album doesn't have choruses on it. Aside from butterfly, most of this album. Yes. It has like a chorus, but their chorus is just a chunky guitar playing a basic riff and them chanting something. And that's it. There's no attempt at a hook. There's no melodies. There's no singing. Like Fred's not a good singer, but at least he tries. He tries to like, you know, there, there, this has no, this has none of the groove of Limp Bizkit either to me, like, like Limp Bizkit to me, they fuck around a bit. They're good musicians and they try and create different sounding songs. Like when I say that this album feels like an assault, it feels like every song on this album is exactly the same. It's just like every verse is just like, and then the chorus is like, yeah. Yeah. And I I like, yeah, I, I, that's fine. But it's not, it's bad. It's a bad album. Most of the songs are bad. And I just, yeah, to me, it's like they just weren't even trying to do the same things. Even the way they present themselves, like Crazy Town presents themselves as like, yeah, we're like, we should be all in jail. And we're like tough dudes. We do drugs. We fuck. We're like, whatever. Limp Bizkit doesn't even really play around with that. Most of Limp Bizkit's lyrical content is like, I've been wronged. I've been wronged by these devil women. You know, yeah. Crazy Town only has one song dedicated to devil women. So maybe Crazy Town's less misogynist than Limp Bizkit. I don't know. They're not. They're way more misogynist. No, they're so, way worse. They're they're. Way worse. I, I know. I'm joking. I, I it, think what they're not the same. Like like to me to say that Limp Bizkit and Crazy Town are the same, like I said, is reductive. Like I, the way I was going to describe this album literally was <clears throat> was that like. I think that this is what people who think new metal is bad think it sounds <laughs> like. Like, I think if you take any, any, like, okay, there are some okay songs on here. Like, I think Toxic is okay. Dark Side yeah. is okay. Black Cloud is okay. Like, there, there are some decent songs. The back half of this record is awful. Everything in the back half is brutal. But, like, in the first half, there's, like, some okay songs. But to me, they sound like what people think new metal sounds like. Like, people who are like, I never listen to new metal. It all sounds the same. It sounds like shit. To me, that's what they think it sounds like. Like, to me, Corn, Limp Bizkit, Incubus, System of a Down. Like, a ton of the bands we've covered on this show are doing different things within the genre and trying to do different things. And to me, Crazy Town sounds like sounds like a bad version of what we like and that and people would hate that and hate new yeah i i mean you're right because they did i i mean even at the time i hated it i just when i i i i don't know again like this just comes from the same branch as limp biscuit i guess of the tree you know, and and like uh, uh, talking about the like the, the the version of like like when you're talking about the tree, you're kind of talking about that sort of rap metal spectrum is what you're yes. getting at. That yeah. like they have the same kind of balance of rap and metal as Limbiscuit. Yeah, yeah, okay. basically, yes, yes. I mean, and also like the I again like the guitar on Limbiscuit stuff is better, but it's not 
totally different than the way they use the guitar on here. Actually, it is. Yeah, that's true. But I, I guess like what I was saying is like that Fred and the singers of these guys probably have roughly the same skill as as rappers. Oh, I and, agree with that. I agree with that. They're they're very bad. Yes, and that it's not. Uh, 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 I just, I don't see this as like, I see this as like a B level limp biscuit, I guess. Like, it's like, it's one step lower than limp biscuit. It came after limp biscuit. It, it's just, it's not as good, but it is on the same kind of, it would only be one step underneath a limp biscuit. And, Again, corn and deftones and stuff is a million times better than this, and and like way different sounding than this. I just right. think Limp Biscuit and this, they kind of get close sometimes. These guys definitely listened to Limp Biscuit and decided that they needed to add guitar to their music. I I, I don't think there's any doubt in my yeah. mind that these guys listened to Limp Biscuit. They were a rap group. They, they said, if we add a guitarist, we can be as big as these guys. And that's what they did because their guitarists well, can't play guitar at all. No. And they have three of them. So do they really explain that to me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing about crazy town. That's so weird. Right. So like, um, you know, we talk a lot about how Limp Bizkit is crazy and that they have these like amazing players, right? Like we talk about how Fred really wasn't that talented, but they, but you know, but th he had a, an amazingly talented band around him. So Crazy Town, I don't know that the band was necessarily that talented, but yeah, when they first started, they had, uh, they had three guys on guitar. They had uh, Antonio Valley. Uh, Craig Squirrel Tyler and uh, Charles Rust Epic Lopez. He died. Their uh, names. The names in this band. Unbelievable. Yeah. Hey, and then they that's what had, we should list those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. So these are, they all have nicknames. So these are the, these are all the nicknames. So the, the band has had a lot of people in the band, by the way, the, their, their lineup is unbelievable. Uh, of like number of people who've been in the band, but just to cap it, they had uh, so their their drummer James Bradley Jr. was like an old dude. He's like a fifty year old at the time drummer who had like drummed with like major like jazz and like Motown bands and stuff. Like it was bizarre that he was ever in this band. Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, somebody uh, told me that, it, 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 and and probably the reason for that is maybe we get to this later they all have their parents all have music industry sure. connections you know oh yeah yeah he's james bradley jr you know so he comes yeah. from comes from a line of uh of drummers i think but yeah so he he literally got famous because he drummed at a at a press party for muhammad ali in 1962 <laughs> he was four, oh, jesus i know he was 4 years old and uh yeah he was uh, he was 4 years old and he was at a at this party for Muhammad Ali, who his dad knew. And then he was just like, "Yeah, I just uh, you know I just started playing, and uh, it was pretty cool. And I just everyone liked it. And they were like, "Whoa, this four year old can play drums. This is sick." And then yeah, he just like has always played drums. Let me see. 
pardon me if I can find. I, I read an article. I, I read that story. I, I uh, when you bring it up, I read that story. But I, for some reason, was like, well, Muhammad Ali was still alive in 1989 too. So yeah. I kind of was like, I don't, I don't fucking know. But I didn't, somebody I do remember now, somebody telling me that their their drummer was an older guy, an older. Been in the Rolling Stone article where they talk about it. It was. It was in the Rolling Stone article. So we'll get to that later. But in any case, um, yeah, it's just nuts. So they have like a really good player in him. Uh, DJ AM was in the band. And obviously he went on to uh, a lot of fame before he uh, died of an overdose. But yeah, so we'll get to the. So here are the nicknames. Uh, So we have obviously we have Seth Binzer known as Shifty Shellshock. Good name. Have Great name. Great name. Eli yeah. Tannis, E-T. Uh, Rick, Rick One Dixon. Uh, and the Rick, the I and Rick is spelled with a number one, uh, of course. Oh, that's Rick cool. Uh, then we also have Pigsy and Boondock. Uh, but then they don't have real names for them. They're just Pigsy and Boondock. Then, of course, we have Epic, whose real name is Brett Mazer. We have Adam, DJ Adam 12, Bravin, Charles Rust Epic Lopez, Adam, DJ AM Goldstein, James JBJ Bradley Jr., Doug Fado DeLay Miller, yeah. <laughs> Antonio Lorenzo Trouble Valley, Craig Squirrel Tyler, Ahmad Dedzi Alkurabi, Nick Dax Diorio. Which, what do you think? What do you think the best nickname there is? I think Shifty Shellshock is actually like a really good name. Shifty Shellshock is pretty cool, especially for like the 90s. Like that sounds like a cool thing. I just, I don't know about, like, I think I would have thought it was kind of like lame at the time, maybe. But really? I don't know. Fado Delay. <laughs> that is a good name. That's also good. And, yeah, I, I like Fado delay. Yes, it's cool. I just, I don't know. You would have. I mean, how old? How, uh, you would have fucking definitely thought it was cool if you were a kid. Yeah, you know, but I a kid. So that's the. I don't know. Um, you yeah, James Junior. drummed in Mary's Danish and toured with the Beastie Boys. So that's Mary's <laughs> Danish. I don't know if they're good or not, but it's mentioned a bunch. So I feel like it's a band that I don't know, but they're good. I guess. Sounds like a garage rock band to me. It like says, the electric prunes. <laughs> it says uh, JBJ flew to... This is from the Rolling Stone article that we're going to read in a bit. JBJ flew to Miami to visit his girlfriend. He'd seen a lot in his 39 years playing drums. His parents were musicians and James Bradley Jr., 43. So he's 43 in 2001. Was a prodigy. At age four, at a party for the Olympic boxer, then known as Cassius Clay, he climbed onto the drum kit, wowing the crowd with a solo pardon me and ending up with his picture in the paper and a contract at paramount pictures he was briefly seen in cool hand luke from 77 to 81 he toured with jazz trumpeter chuck mangione uh there was reefer and booze and cocaine he tried them all but by the mid 90s he recalled my demons called to me uh i hooked up with these girls who were couriers from south central la and then that's when i found crack uh then he starts talking about that blah 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 and then yeah and then once he got sober uh, is when he joined Crazy Town. Crazy Town was like the band that brought him out of his darkness. So yeah, this Mary's Danish looks like they were running around with like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and stuff. Oh, like they were like that kind of uh, Mary's band. Danish. What a band name! 
Incredible. The wor- that's maybe the worst yeah. band name I've yeah, ever so like, seen. I, mean, I guess they have some like okay players in the band. Guitar-wise, probably not, because the guitars in this record are pretty shit. Um, but also that was kind of the style, I guess. Like they definitely weren't trying to be like a limp biscuit with like major riffs and shit like that. Well, they um, weren't trying, yeah. I don't think they I really don't think these guys wanted to be in a metal band at all. No, I don't think so either. They were rappers. I mean, they they talk in in a lot of these articles about how Epic was like making music from the time he was 10. It sounds like he was the one who kind of wrote all the music and all the raps and stuff. And his yeah. dad was Billy Joel's manager. So, of you course. know, these guys are big time plant plant aroonies. Yep. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah. It's just so funny. Like I tweeted that this week uh, that like, you know, a lot of people think of when they think of industry plants, they think of like pop music, but we've now been doing 16 episodes of this show and 11 bonus episodes or whatever it is now. And like, we found that a lot of new metal bands were industry plants. It's not the, it's not the, it's not the uh, genre you would think of, but like so many of these bands, we read these Rolling Stone profiles and it's like, oh, their dad was this and their, their uncle played in this band or, and you're like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think it's because those people know how to get signed and, and a band like this, a band like this is definitely just like, I know how to get signed. You have to find out what people are into and make it. Yeah. (laughs) What happened? Like, it sounds like they had been rapping for a while. And then, like you say, I think they just, they saw the path laid out for them by Limp Bizkit. Uh, and they were like, okay, let's just, uh, let's take this path. Um, before we get to the articles, let's talk a little bit about, um, the songs on this record. Uh, you know, I mean, Brian, you like it. So like, tell me some of the songs you like on this. I don't, I don't love it. I I think like, I like toxic. Uh, like you said, probably the best song. That's the, that was the lead single. Yeah. And it's, it's. A, it's a good song for this this album that's a good song now the part i wanted to get to and there's a couple of them that i want to talk about but uh, uh think fast is song number two on on this out or three and uh this is when i noticed that these guys are trying to do the beastie boys too like yeah. this that this song like that song sounds like a Beastie Boys fucking that. song. That song. <clears throat> what? I hate that song. Think fast. Oh, think fast. Dun, 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 dun. I like that one. I actually found myself earlier today as I was walking home from uh, getting coffee, like saying it out loud. Think fast. <laughs> like out loud. So I, I think I actually really like that song. Uh, I had this album is the only so like we've done, like I said, 27 albums or something for this show now. And uh, <clears throat> we've done some bad ones. This one was the only one I had to listen to in shifts. I, I like I like then think fast was my first. That's only the third song. That was my first shift. I heard think fast. I was like, okay, I'm out. I gotta, I need a break. I can't think do this. Fast. And then and then I came back and then I think I was like, okay, well, butterflies at least at six. It's worse than I remember, uh, Butterfly. It's a bad song, too. Um, and then I think and, I made it from Think Fast to Only When I'm Drunk, which is a cover, which I didn't know, but it's still awful. And I was like, okay, I need another break. And then I listened to the last half of it today, track 8 to 14. So this is the only album we've done that I've only listened to once, and I'm pretty sure I'm not going to listen to it ever again. Oh, I think I listened to it like 
10 times probably i, mean, I it's just incredible, dude i mean i don't see it, it's it's really interesting because i'm reading um do you know stephen hyden brian no i don't oh he's like he's like a music critic and he's um he's written some like really good books he wrote a book called your favorite band is killing me and uh he just wrote a book about um kid a uh, it's all about like radiohead making kid a and stuff and how it was received and he's one of he writes for up rocks right now but he's written for spin and a bunch of other places and he's one of my favorite music critics and so i'm reading this kid a book and he talks in the book about how um he talks about pablo honey and how like a lot of people don't like pablo honey because they got into radiohead later and then they listen to Pablo Honey having this like lens on of like Radiohead being this like prestige band that they got into with OK Computer or Kid A or or In Rainbows or whatever. And Pablo Honey sounds so different that they're like, oh, I can't get into this. And he's like, but in order to really like Pablo Honey, you have to like put your brain in that situation. You have to like think of like, you know, in 1994, whenever it came out, 93 He's like, if you put yourself in that situation of like being in the nineties and he's like, I was like 17 at the time and I put my brain there, then I can like really in- start to enjoy it and like it. And it was funny because I felt like it sort of mirrored some of what we do with this podcast. However, I think I don't have to do that. Like my, I feel like that's maybe why I still love like Limp Bizkit and corn. And it's just so easy for me to go back to that place so with this one, it was funny just reading that passage, like in that Kid A book, I think it was two days ago, I read it. And then I listened to this album and I was like, okay, like I really tried to put myself in the mindset of like, if I was 14 or 15 listening to this, like, could I get into it? And I just don't like, I think even my brain then it might've liked like toxic and dark side, but there's just so much on this record. I think it's still, even if I put my brain in that place and I try to be that like 14 year old kid, I just can't, I don't know. I can't get there. And so it's interesting that you say that you feel like if you listened to it at the time, you would have been super into it. Oh my God. I want, I want to read a, a couple of the lyrics from dark side <laughs> because this is, this is like the type of dude I was punk rock and shell toes, horns and halos, wicked wit wings and pointed tails, devil's eyes and nine inch nails, nocturnal renegades, the eternal drug raid. I go by the name of Mr. Shifty Switchblade. And let me tell you something about this. This looks like something I would have written, John. Like this. (laughs) But isn't that bad? Like, to me, that's bad. If I'm like, I could have wrote this, then I'm like, this sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could have. I definitely like feel like this looked like something that I would have. I could have written. But like, it also just makes me think about like with shell toes and, and he's mentioning nine inch nails and punk and stuff, even though I didn't even like punk at the time, it just was so, it would have been so neat to me to be into a band that were like proud of being into punk too, you know, kind of like in the same way that it was really cool to me to be into corn because they like Duran Duran. Like it, it, it was just one of those. Uh, uh, it, it's just this song, especially, was one of the ones where I would have been like, "Yeah, I would have fucking really been into this album if if I had gotten my hands on it. If one of my idiot friends would have bought this album and I would have listened to it, it I one hundred percent would have. I would have been so fucking into this. It's crazy. Like now, you know." 
it's not great. The lyrics are funnier to me than than they maybe are to you. But uh, well, I think the lyrics are funny to me in a way where I'm like, how was this an an album that sold 2.5 million copies? Yeah, that's what's funny about them to me too. <laughs> okay, you like, know? Let's take a look at uh, so one thing that stuck out to you, and and you may notice one of Shifty's like favorite things to do is change his last name to suit a rhyme. Loves it. He loves to do that. So in so we know he's Shifty Shell Shock, but in your song there, uh, he called himself shifty switchblade in revolving door which is no question the worst song on this album oh it's close it's close between this one and the next one so there's two songs back to back one's called revolving door and one is called players only love you when they're playing a nice little crib of fleetwood mac that one's real bad are back to back oh i love fleetwood mac too those two songs are back to back and i call it the like it's like the braggadocio suite it's like the the whole. It's like the two songs where they just brag about how good they are at sex. So Shifty has uh, he says, <laughs> I just I mean, fuck. He says, uh, "Ladies, good to go. We's major league, the new breed. No, so so highly advanced. They've got the game to get in any girl's pants and romance her stone. Because I'm That's more gross. than all my own. They call me Shifty Capone." I make them moan. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like if you, I'm just imagining you and I are the same age, Brian, in this scenario, it's 1997 and you and I are doing our own cipher outside of a corn concert. These are the lyrics that you and I are coming up with in the circle yeah. where there's like, ah, and then it goes from there. Yes. I'm the one between the sheets. I amaze and stun Ain't no need for me to brag about the way that I'm hung. Let's just say I got the skills to make the flyest girl sprung. They're gross now, for sure. Oh, Just back then, I would have thought it was cool. See, I don't know that I would have. But again, I was scared of sex. And then it and then it ends. And then it's they, they love both of these songs. Pardon me. They love to do the whole like. I'll fuck anyone. I'm unbelievable. I love sex and I, I fucking, you know, I'll get with any girl. I don't give a shit. But then there's like one little verse where they're like, but women are the devil. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, so this one, it's, it's uh, I'm looking for some real in a world of fake hose and high heels. I'll <laughs> drop that hot wax on your nipples causing trouble. And when you ride me, you'll be throwing up that triple double. My sex drive's kicking. I'm sexually exploring so many possibilities. It seems my life can never get boring. Oh, uh, yeah, right before that, he talks about how he's just he's just looking for the one girl that will last, even though the whole song is about like he like there's always that little cow like, but uh, you know, if I found the right girl, I would marry her. But in the meantime, I'm hung like a motherfucker and I'm having sex with all these hoes and it's cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there. I think like the other thing that charmed me about this album is the song Black Cloud, which was definitely if was this a single? Actually, I guess Black I can Cloud. ask that. No, the, the last single. So the first single was Toxic. Second single was Dark Side. Third single was Butterfly. Fourth single was Revolving Door. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you have to release Revolving Door after Butterfly, though. Right, you gotta try and like, get your, 
get your mojo back. Well, yeah, and Revolving Door is not like a, a it's more of a rappier song. I think they were trying to do something that sounded closer to Butterfly, really. Yeah, but I think Black Cloud, uh, uh, and you pointed this out to me today, but there is a lyric where he says, uh, uh, trade my torches for a dime, black clouds lifted for the light, the pressure's fading away now, a thousand cigarettes won't change the way we feel, the pressure is fading now, can you bear the thought of knowing truth, knowing truth? And that line where he says, a thousand cigarettes won't change the way we feel, that would have fucking been the thing that blew me away and it would have turned me into like the world's biggest crazy town fan because that's the kind of sentiment that my dumb ass when <laughs> I was that age would have been like, fuck yeah, dude, we could stand outside all night and smoke cigarettes, but we got to do something to change the way we're feeling inside, you know? And that's also that lyric. It, like it isn't humble at all. This none of nothing on here is humble, but I would be able to convince myself that that lyric had that this song black cloud had the humbleness that I needed in my, in my new metal. And, uh, it's the that lyric is sung and the chorus is sung by Jay Gordon from Orgy. And we learned from one of the articles that Jay Gordon was actually the first bassist in crazy town. And then Leave the direct quote is then that motherfucker learned he could sing and he was out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you also don't want to be the bass player in a band with like 17 people. <laughs> no, you definitely don't. <laughs> you know, that is that is also funny that it's Jay Gordon, another industry plant, by yes. the way. Big time, Big time industry plant. Yeah. So it's it's funny that it's him that uh, that like sings this lyric that would have definitely grabbed me when in 1999 which would have i i would have been 20 that year i think maybe 21 so you would have felt like yeah i get it yeah because you would there there were these fucking intense nights where like you and a girl or you and one of your close friends were getting fucking wasted and standing outside, just fucking blowing on cigarettes and just talking, you know, and not getting anything done. Uh, uh, and it would be like really melodramatic and you'd be like, we got to do something, you know, we got to change things and change things. To me, it's funny that these guys were singing it when they were in their forties. Because like now I'm 41 and I know that those nights were 100% bullshit and they sucked <laughs> and fucking like that. They were a waste of time, I guess. So, I mean, yeah, they saw that was a song I liked that, that black cloud and then butterfly is not that bad. Now when I listen to it, it is, it's not bad, but it's just weird that, Again, I think I was pretty young. Well, I guess I was 16 when it hit as a single, but it's just like crazy to me that a song like that got so big where the chorus is literally about like going down on a woman essentially and like, oh, I make your leg shake. You make me go crazy or whatever. Yeah, but there are a lot of songs. I know. I, I know throughout history. I totally get it. It's just weird that like that in that particular moment in time, that's a song that hit number one. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, but that makes a lot of fucking sense. You know, another song on here uh, is called Lollipop Porn. Oh, Jesus. And, uh, you know, this was a song that Brett brought up. Title alone, right? Like I'm listening to this in my car. I've got my I've got my iPhone up. I've got, you know, I have one of those like uh, holders, like iPhone holders in my car. So, you know, you just like I, so I didn't really look at the track titles or whatever. So this morning I tweeted this. I was stuck in traffic. There was a brutal accident on the way to work this morning. So I was actually in, it, I, it took me an hour and a half to get to a school that's normally 30 minutes away from me. So I'm stuck in traffic. I'm like, OK, whatever. I might as well bang out the rest of this crazy town album while I'm bumper to bumper in traffic. So I don't even pay attention to what the songs are called. I just turn it on. I think I started it at Butterfly because I knew I left off somewhere around there. And then you just see lollipop porn pop up on your iPhone. And I'm like, fuck me. Like, right. What is my life? You know, what is my like this? This man from Columbus, Ohio, juiced this poll. He, <laughs> he rigged the results so that I had to be sitting in my car, a 35 year old man listening to a song called lollipop porn on the way to my job as a high school teacher. I'm like, this is just, where did we go wrong here? Well, <laughs> what's also funny is like lollipop porn is a song. And maybe, I, I mean, this might be a cultural thing too, but Brett brought up saying the chorus for lollipop porn, which is like, I got a lollipop porn bitch, you know, is, is like basic. That's the basic chorus. And uh, he, he, when I told him we were covering this album, Brett sang that lyric. And then today I texted him and I was like, I can't believe that I'm listening to a song called Lollipop Born. <laughs> like, I, I, I had the same thing. And he responded to me and he was like, that's one of my sis. That was one of my sister's favorite songs. And it was like such a Midwestern kind of thing. It was just the people that I grew up with that kind of song would have been like a, a a lot of the girls I grew up with favorite song because it would be like, look how fucking edgy I am. Just like me, like the way that I like only when I'm drunk or, or like a, a song with an edgy title for men, you know, would have been the same way. I would have been like, yeah, man, that's me. You know, I'm a dirty motherfucker, son of a bitch. You know? <laughs> if there was a song called that. And uh, uh, I don't know, that maybe is also what having you hate this album that much and then him saying that this was one of his sister's favorite albums, it makes me think like maybe this is just because I'm in Ohio and, and, and you were in Toronto and, and live in Vancouver, you know? I mean, it could be just my nice Canadian sensibility. I don't know. But yeah. I mean, this was also the era of songs where that kind of thing was really starting to hit the airwaves, you know, like Ludacris had fantasy and 50 cent had candy shop and all that. And like, I mean, there were uh, when Lil Wayne had lollipop and there was all these like different, you know, euphemisms for sucking dick or getting laid or, you know, like it was that era of like, Ooh, we can push the boundaries a little bit. So let's just do it. But it's just so weird. And I know you wanted to talk, and I did too, about the album art. So the album art for this is actually inspired by that song title, Lollipop Porn. Uh, so gross. That's apparently where the, uh, where the cover of the album comes from. It's, if you haven't seen it, 
I mean, do yourself a favor, but it says, uh, this is one of the first things on the Wikipedia page for this album. It literally says the girl licking the lollipop on the cover of the album is a fictional character created by crazy town known as little Lolita. Uh, Of course, both the album title and the picture of little Lolita are based on lyrics from the song lollipop porn. The album cover was designed by co-lead singer Shifty Shellshock's father and uncle. <laughs> but together? Uh, yeah, they just they had a little collab and out came this cover, which if you haven't seen it, uh, it's a girl who's got uh, like schoolgirl kind of pigtails with what sort of looks like her hair is sort of the way the pigtails are done. It looks sort of like devil horns in the front of her hair in her bangs, but then she's got a halo above her head, you know, cause she's an angel and a devil. She's topless, but covering up her chest with her arms, which are tattooed. One arm has like a tribal pattern. The other arm has a butterfly. Uh, and then she is suggestively licking a lollipop while looking in the camera. Very, uh, very demurely just, Ooh, you know, what's up. So, yeah. I mean, this shit is again, this album it, it, it now doesn't do anything for me really but i just i mean basically you know, the I tweet defense I... yeah the tweet defense for this is probably gonna get a high score from me because okay. if 1999 brian would have fucking gone apeshit for this album okay i want to talk about <laughs> one more song players and only cover very bad yeah the covers t- i mean the covers terrible like imagine hearing butterfly you're like a younger kid like me you hear butterfly and then you go to buy the album and the cover looks like that yeah i think that i, I think that, yeah if you were 14 or 15 and you saw that album cover i could see you being like oh this like kind of makes me a little nervous yeah. you know i think i don't i don't think i like this I mean, I can specifically remember there's a lyric on Significant Other where Fred has a lyric where he's like, it ain't fake when the girls get naked. <laughs> I didn't like it. Didn't like that part at all. And that's not, and I was like in like, I was into women. I, I had like crushes on girls and I, I, you know, I had the whole like kind of elementary high school, like I pined for girls and, and I had, you know, unrequited crushes and stuff but i just but the sex scared me i was i was late to the game i was a late bloomer on that front i mean i like i then i ironically ended up losing my virginity like quite young i really turned i turned the dial real quick but for a while yeah like i just didn't like it it was uncomfortable so i would have been you know if i heard this song the player's song i mean it's just fuck so it starts it says no doubt i'm the one your mama warned you about i'm known for taking ladies home and turning them out like yeah, I don't like that. Earlys and making them cry. I'm a wise guy with wits, the opposite of shy. Make your girl's pussy shiver when she looks in my eyes. I'm the opposite of. I'm sorry. I'm the opposite of shy is maybe one of the worst lyrics I've ever read. I'm like, the opposite of shy, baby. Hey, I'm not shy. I'm the opposite of that, actually, which is outgoing. I couldn't think, you know, as a songwriter, I couldn't think of a word that meant the opposite of shy. (laughs) Well, and then it was just like, yeah, he says, uh, you best believe I throw down. Ain't no need to slow down. You name the place and the time. Find Mr. Shifty at the showdown. 
loves throwing that in there. Tearing you up. That's why all the fly girls just can't get enough. Said I loved you and you believed it was true. That's hilarious. But your mother should have warned you about guys like us. Oh, my God. You know, this almost this album almost warranted going over each song because now it's just all I want to talk about also is B-Boy 2000, which is like a fucking Beastie Boys song be on this thing. Huh? I can't believe they got KRS-One to be on this thing. It's like, I know it's insane, man. Industry plants, though. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah, revolving door, and and like I'm looking at the lyrics to the songs as we talk about them. I'm not gonna like read anymore, but like the uh picture for revolving door on Google is uh from the video, and like it looks so seedy and gross now, which by the way would have fucking totally 100% been for me at that time, like yeah, seedy and gross. Yeah. Well, and then that's the thing. So he spends his whole first stanza bragging about himself and then in comes devil woman. You know, he's like, I know it ain't right, but I don't want to change. I've got so many dames. I can't remember their name. (laughs) (laughs) The rhymes are so bad. Using Uh, dame in 1999. Just because he wanted to rhyme it with names. He's like, wow, what rhymes with names? It's like about women. It took him 30 minutes to come up with dames. I guess, but, yeah, he had to, I guess he had to say dames so that he could say names, I really, guess, but he didn't need e- either of those lines. Would have been said, better left on the cutting room floor. But he wants to bring it back, Brian. He says, but don't be confused because girls are players too. So they we're going to tell you about a girl we knew. She was a pretty rebel, a punk rock girl with a wicked sex drive and the mind of a devil. Like Agent 99 undercover all the time. Love a get smart reference. And I know that that was uh, embarrassing. Want another kiss? You better rack another line. Unique in design. This freak was kind of fine, but she's not the only one. There's plenty of her kind. Uh, so that's the so he's like sets up this situation where he's like, listen, you might think I'm a player, but women are also players like this one girl I know who's a player, but also I don't give a fuck about her. Cause I'm the ultimate player. So screw it, you know? And then, yeah. And then the chorus is just some kind of like processed, uh, female vocal singing the players only love you when they're playing from dreams. So it's just, yeah. I mean, it's just a mess, man. It's just the whole thing's a mess. Is this also the song? Oh, never mind. I, I, I'll never be able to, I, I'll never be able to remember it, but there, there's a song where they talk about rich kids on this album where you're just like oh fuck you you know because in in the article that we read out of rolling stone they admit that they were rich kids they 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 do this thing where they say they are rich kids but then we really were out in the street being in the street and i'm like that's the thing that makes me nuts about about rich kids is that like, look, you can say you're out there doing all the dirt and crime and you're out there in the street, but you always have somewhere to fucking go. You always have somewhere to go to get taken care of. So I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about your crimey shit, which is, uh, uh, I mean, these guys are just, 
I don't know. I don't like to use this word posers. They're posers. You know? Yeah, no, they definitely, they like to say that they did crimes. It's very, it, the, the Rolling Stone profile, which we'll get to now. This one is, uh, this is from uh, 2001, August 2nd, 2001 by David Keeps. And it says, you are now entering crazy town. And it's you with a letter U. Uh, this guy, it's, by the by the way, John, this guy yeah. fucking hated these guys. Oh, no question. No question. <laughs> Population, six metalheads hung up on hip-hop tattoos, drugs, crime, rehab, and surviving their stint on this summer's Ozfest. And you know, here's how you know that he hated them, Brian, because here's the very first line of the article. Seth Shifty Shellshock Binzer phones in from the road. He is being chauffeured to a gig by, quote, two really beautiful girls. The day after Crazy Town's third Ozfest 2001 show. So Seth fucking calls this guy. He's like, oh, hey, man, I'm just with two super hot chicks right now. So, oh, God. Make this but I knew, whatever, you know? I knew guys like this. Th- that uh, was what, that really hit me hard. Back then, again, would have believed that line. I would have read the, the, the sarcasm in, in that line. And uh, uh, back then, I would have totally believed that and thought, like, this fucking guy, I mean, he gets chicks, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wasn't married. I wasn't I with Kate yet. It's uh, like, of course he gets chicks, man. Um, and then, yeah, it says, uh, it was around this time last year, he went off the rails, nearly destroying himself and his band. Now everything's changed. Quote, last year, we had to leave OzFest after a week, Shifty says. This year, we came back headliners, which is true. That's before Butterfly came out. Pardon me, or like as a single. They were on OzFest 2000, and Shifty destroyed a tour bus uh, because he was mad at something, and uh, they got kicked (sighs) off the tour. So, See, here's something with that. Like, a rich kid would destroy a bus just because they got mad, you know? But a, a... guy like if i had if i was on a bus back then i would have been like so worried they were going to kick me off ozfest and i would have to go back to doing a real job instead of uh uh instead of being a rock and roll star that i would have never trashed a bus 100%. Yeah, it says uh, they, sorry, yeah, in 2000, they were signed to tour with OzFest. However, they were forced to withdraw after only two weeks when Binzer was arrested after he threw a chair through a window while he was drunk. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this guy, this is, this guy's got West Scantlin issues. Scantlin energy. And then he says, yeah, he's <laughs> talking more about OzFest. Uh, Shifty says, we have a lot to prove because of Butterfly. This is kind of what we were talking about earlier. Oh, I cut this out, actually. <laughs> yeah, this quote's so funny. We have a lot to prove because of Butterfly. We have to prove we're aggressive punk kids, a real band and not a pop act. If a band like Crazy Town can get into the top 10, that's one for alternative rock. That's one more spot that Britney Spears can't have. I hated alternative rock back then, too, John. Like, I just... I hated like Pearl Jam and and like all the stuff that was considered alternative back then. I I fucking hated that music. So this guy calling it alternative rock might have bugged me. Rock, and then in the next sentence says they're alternative rock and they're neither. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, that is a guy that knows how. That's a guy that knows how the music industry thinks that's a guy that came up in the industry i think because like we do know that alternative like punk happened and then alternative was like the post-punk 
type music. Like it, it, it like what ended up becoming alternative music was like just after post-punk and it was widely considered that like like nirvana and pearl jam like like you know they would always say kurt cobain was like really into acdc but he also liked uh dinosaur jr i might be wrong about dinosaur the meat puppets and stuff like that so like uh uh this comes off as a guy who understands that and uh, is saying what he believes to be all the right things in the interview so that he can be considered a rock and roll guy, you know, because he's not a rock and roll guy. He's a rap guy, but he understands that like you have to be a rock and roll guy in order to make it at this time as, yeah. as like a musician. For sure. And then this is where it becomes very obvious that the person writing this article hated them. Uh, Because he says, Crazy Town is the place at the intersection of street credibility and pop savvy where suburban rock parties with ghetto rap. Like most of the songs on The Gift of Game, Butterfly is a cut and paste collage of painful autobiographical truths and pumped up player myths. But Crazy Town do not front about anything. They are privileged kids with criminal tendencies who, as they put it themselves on dark side, stepped over the line into, quote, dreamlands of danger, dark side pleasures and bad behavior. Some of them are sober now. Some of them are not. <laughs> I love that ending. Like, doesn't matter who's sober. Doesn't matter who isn't. They're all f- just full of shit. <laughs> right. And there is like a lot of it, it, totally full of shit, too. There's a lot of stuff in there that like, uh, I, I like this little line here. Showtime. The group huddles up and recites an AA prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. You know, he does the the prayer. And then hands come off shoulders, fists join together in the center of the circle. Crazy town, they yell. Fool. (laughs) I feel like that was making fun of these guys. And the AA stuff, probably half of them were lying at that point oh, and they yeah, thought it easily. made an inter- and they thought it made an interesting story is what it is it was lore- myth making lore building for them and uh my favorite little piece about the sobriety is women are my worst weakness shifty says as we board the bus he's been that motherfucker who had all the pussy he said and he's been hurt too my butterfly ripped my wings off i'm good at making girls happy but love has to be a joint venture (laughs) it's just yeah i mean He sucks, dude. He fucking yeah, of sucks. Of course he sucks. Well, and there is also this sort of like uh like um Shifty talks about and I can't remember if it was in this article or the other article that we have here which we probably won't really get to, but he basically says that uh oh yeah, this is the this part is nuts too, where he essentially says that he like lapsed his sobriety to like prove a point to the band. Oh yeah. Uh, he says uh Uh, on the road shifty would sit in his bunk trying to read his AA books and hear people snorting Coke and laughing until he wanted to quote, put a bullet through my head. Instead, he put a pipe to his mouth quote. I was going to show them what happens when I get high, everything falls apart and the band ends. I remember saying, if you guys don't get sober with me, then I'm going to go start a sober band. And I was smoking crack while I was saying that I was just a big fireball of chaos. And it's like, like what a, (laughs) piece of shit like yeah 
And as you read this stuff, I, I want the people that are listening to know I am rolling my eyes. Like, oh, the, yeah, the whole, these guys so, are very eye rolly to me. I, I hope if you're listening, you've rolled your eyes a hundred times during oh. this show already. Well, and, it, and I mean, they just too like this is the other part they're talking about epic. And he says, uh, epic says in the article, it says by then they had hooked up with Danny Ostro, a record promotions executive who has worked with Bush and no doubt. Danny was tweaked out on speed. Epic recalls calling all the record labels going, I've got this band. And then Ostro responds, I'm clean now, but I'm not going to deny I was on drugs. I don't like the way that was phrased, but okay, fine. I've been a promotion man for 10 years and my follow through and my hustle is very methodical. Epic lived in my kid's room and I sunk every penny I had into helping them for a year of my life. Jeez. So like this guy, Epic slept in this guy's house. He basically broke this band. They get their first big feature in Rolling Stone and Epic's like, yeah, this guy was fucking on speed all the time. He's just a speed freak <laughs> calling all these like just absolutely throws this guy under the bus. I mean, I'm sure that the actual truth is somewhere in between those two things. But you would just think that like if a guy helped you out in any way like that with your career, you wouldn't go in Rolling Stone and be like, yeah, this guy's just He's a total mess, but like, whatever, I guess. <laughs> yeah. These guys are working super extra hard to they're, they're just super try hards. You know, I just, ugh, I hate these guys. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's very, it's funny because like they bring up Jay Gordon a couple times, like Jay Gordon is hanging out backstage whenever they were doing this interview. And it just is like, this article really read very similar to the orgy one to me where like Jay Gordon is also an industry plant also was like probably always going to be a famous musician and really tries so hard to come across as like a hardo who like does crime and does drugs and is a badass dude, but probably is like none of those things. And is just no. like a wiener. And it, it's like, this has the exact same vibe. It's just like, ah, it just doesn't, it just is so annoying. Like, and, and like you said at the time, you'd probably read this and be like, Holy shit, these guys are so cool. They're living a life that I just like, can't even imagine, you know? And, but reading it now, 20 years later, you're like, this is just, this is such a joke. <laughs> yeah. It's like impossible to take seriously. Absolutely. Absolutely. These, these guys, I don't know. It just not, not the, I guess probably not the most charismatic guys in the world and uh, really just bought a number one album, I guess, yeah, is, I, yeah. is what I think happened. Yeah, it's very strange. And then the, the whole article uh, like uh, climaxes and ends with Shifty talking about his relationship with the woman who was in the butterfly video, who was his girlfriend and being on drugs ruined it. And it's just like, it's just this whole metaphor. It's like, he spends so much time talking about how he's like a big time ladies man, but then he's like kind of not. And like his relationships are falling to shit. And that's like more of the real story. And I don't know. It's just so weird. Like, and all of this stuff just so totally reads like it's very similar to the orgy one where it says he was born. Seth Binzer. He was a rock and roll love child. He was conceived when his dad Roland. Uh, was directing the 1973 documentary Ladies and Gentlemen, The Rolling Stones. Yeah. Pardon me, and took up with Leslie, a former model who was working as his production assistant. Roland had a lucrative career as a graphic artist designing record covers for Chuck Berry and Muddy Waters. 
My dad was the artsy fartsy guy who did lots of cocaine and had weed all over the house, says Shifty, who admits he helped himself to some of it. The little bastard, his dad said, laughing when informed Mm -hmm. of this. I must say I made a lot of bad decisions. I taught him how to roll joints when he was five. (sighs) And then (sighs) and then it talks about him like stealing a car. He sold weed to make money, but he was also an actor at the same time. Uh, He almost went to jail for five years uh, because he pulled a gun and robbed another drug dealer. Like it's just, oh man, it just sucks. sucks Yeah, it just he sucks. (laughs) He just fucking very much sucks. Totally sucks. Uh, Okay, well we're here uh, at the end of the review of the album, Brian. uh, You've already sort of alluded to it, but uh, for those of you who are new to the POD cast, the way we we review these albums is we give them a tweet defense score, uh, which is to say that if someone were to tweet at us on Twitter and say, "Hey, that Crazy Town album sucks." Uh, how many tweets would we reply to them in defense of that album? Brian, uh, what's your what's your score for this one? So here's what I have to do here. Now, one thing I would do is I would love to give this album a 10 to like troll or whatever. Uh, but I got to be a journalist here. And uh, I recently are. Looked- we are. Yeah. And I recently looked at the scores that we've given things over time. Like now I have an idea for where my scores have gone. And on our first episode of this show, we reviewed significant other. And uh, at the time I didn't know where my numbers were going to go. And I gave significant other a five because I was just being like honest, you know, yeah, and I can't, in good conscience, give this album more than significant other. So I'm gonna say four, but that is like I want you to consider that an eight. But I, I'm just gonna give it a four <laughs> because it sucks. <laughs> it's an eight, but it's a four. But it's an eight. yes, it's a four because, I, like I said, I don't. I I I think like. It is a four. It is this album is a four album, I think. It's just part of me like really got a kick out of I think hearing new new metal to me. I hadn't heard right. a lot of this stuff. And um but you know, the more we talk about it, the more I read the lyrics, I'm like, yeah, this is like a four, man. This and and you know, the Rolling Stone interview hurt their score a lot too. But yeah, a four, a four is what I'm giving him. Okay. I respect that. Um, You're going to give him a one, I think. I am, I'm going to, I'm giving it a zero. Okay. Hey, I knew you, this was, I, I kind of figured you were going to give it a zero because you were hating this album early on in the cycle. You know what I mean? And and the month we were waiting to do it. When you started juicing the poll, I was just like, I don't even because I've put follow the leader on the poll like two or three times now. I like when I put follow the leader on the poll last month, I was like, hell yeah, I'm gonna get to listen to follow the leader. Yeah. I think it was talk about it. And then you're just like, oh, we haven't done enough bad albums. The month after we did stain, (laughs) albums probably gotta throw us a bad album in there. Um, so, you know, like I agree, we need to have a balance. I'm not saying every month needs to be like a classic or anything, but, uh, 
I just, there's no, I couldn't defend this album. I mean, there's just nothing I could say to defend it. Um, like if anything, it would be a one. I would just be like, I agree. I'll just tweet. I agree with you. Bad. <laughs> um, like yeah, I know we had a okay. listener this week, uh, stren- like strenuous orb, uh, listener of the show tweeted at the POD cast account on Twitter saying like, I went for a run and I listened to this album and I can't believe he's like, it's the one and only time I'm going to listen to it. I listened to it in preparation for this show and it's just like so bad. And I did actually respond like, yes, I know it's really bad. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is bad. It it is, it is uh, not good. It's just, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's the worst thing we've ever done. Uh, I I do. I think it's the worst thing. I mean, some of the compilations have been pretty bad too that we've done for bonus episodes, but yeah, this is, I mean, as far as like a main album goes for me, it's the worst that we've done. I'd rather listen to puddle of mud. There's a couple good songs on that album. There's not. <laughs> so anyway, right. speaking of, uh, speaking of those bonus episodes, if you want to donate to the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash the POD cast. Remember we spell cast with a K like corn. Uh, we're actually right now we're doing three bonus episodes a month. So it's $4 a month gets you access to all three of those bonus episodes. We do one main bonus episode where we review an album and then we're doing two short singles reviews every month so we just did uh fly leafs i'm so sick uh and before that we did deftone sinatra those are both up on the patreon right now as i said last month our main bonus episode was the texas chainsaw massacre 2003 soundtrack with roach coach that was a fantastic one and this month coming up we're doing our first ever live episode our first ever live video episode uh, where Brian and I are going to watch five Marilyn Manson videos and talk about them. That's going to be on Zoom. You're going to have to donate to the show in order to get access to that. And that show is going to be on Monday, December 28th. So mark that in your calendars. Damn, I'm streaming uh, be... two nights in a row. Oh, baby. I'm You'll love sake. it. It's I'm beautiful. doing new metal. I'm doing Marilyn Manson, then shock jocks two nights in a row. <laughs> oh, baby. We love it. So there you go. It's going to be uh, that's going to be a blast. Monday, December 28th. Uh, again, if you're donating to the show on our patreon.com slash the POD cast, you can get access to that. You can also follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast again, cast with a K that's where we do all of the polls, everything like that. It's a great way to catch up with, uh, with everything we're doing. And, uh, yeah, thanks for all the support. Uh, as, as always, we have a great fan base and, and we love you all. And before we finish up, Brian, we have a challenge. Uh, we finish, if this is your first time listening to the show, we finish every episode with a challenge inspired by the band by the album we did before we get to it uh last month brian our challenge was to find the worst aaron lewis quote uh in in honor of stains break the cycle and you won that challenge close close race 57 to 43 percent uh but yeah you had a quote about aaron lewis joining the military that people liked a little better than my bernie sanders one although i feel like i screwed up and i should have put the one where he said that he had to stop writing his own lyrics because he couldn't stop crying I feel like yeah, if I put that hilarious. as my dumbest quote, that might have uh, that might have taken the poll. But that moves you up closer to me. You've won two months in a row now, so our overall total is uh, I'm sitting at eight wins, Brian at six, and we have one tie. So uh, it's close, folks. Uh, and again, that's we post the you get to vote on who wins the challenges on our Twitter as well. So make sure you're following us there. This month's challenge, inspired by this insane album art. For Crazy Town, uh, Brian, the challenge this month is to imagine you're in Crazy Town's land. You've had this massive success and you want to follow up this album 
with something big, you need to come up with an album title and an album art concept for a crazy town album. Go ahead. Okay. I thought we were doing like an album cover. So I was yeah, doing are, a cover yeah. for the gift of the game. But, oh, okay. uh, That's fine. You can do that. Okay. Well, what I was thinking was that I would put him, uh, it would be shifty shell shock, right? And he's sitting on a throne on a basketball court where it's got all this stuff around him. Right. And he's, he's not facing the hoop. Okay, he's facing camera, but he's throwing the ball back into the hoop as he sits down and it goes in and then the gift of the game, right? Like that is a good album cover. Now, if I I should have I I thought I read I'm sorry, John. I read the raw, I read the text badly. (laughs) It's okay. It's not a big deal. Just means I'll probably win. So I'm no, I would rather you didn't. No, I, I mean, that's good. I mean, I like it. it. It feels like it fits in with the motif of the band and the gift of the game. Um, my, uh, so my, the title for my album, uh, their follow-up is uh, Crazy Town Intergalactic Pimps. Uh, because, you know, pimp was like a big word in the late 90s, early aughts. And uh, they feel, I think they think they're pimps. Uh, and the cover art would be sort of similar to Gift of the Game, but it would be two space chicks, uh, their words, not mine, two space chicks that like look vaguely human, but they're also definitely alien, but they're also definitely hot <laughs> and have huge tits. And, uh, and they're making out, obviously. And uh, it's like they're and then in the in just like so they're in space, obviously. So it's like there's kind of like a starry background, crazy town, intergalactic pimps. And then there's these two alien chicks making out in the foreground, hot, big tits. And then and you see a nipple like one you can see side profile nipple. Oh, and in the back, like in the back corner of the album is just like a little visible spaceman. And then like the spaceman is like you would assume is shifty. But you just, yeah. but you wouldn't know, but you, that's just like, and he's just kind of like watching these two alien chicks, like, what up? I'm an intergalactic. You better win this. You better win this one because that's so much better than mine. You know? <laughs> well, it, I mean, it's okay if you, you misread the challenge. It's all right. I mean, and if someone wants to design those album covers for us, I mean, we're all about it. If you're a fan who likes to draw and you want to draw those, we're in, yeah. we're down. So we would love to see that. Yeah. We would. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Brian, before we go, we do need to put some albums up for next month in the poll. Uh, again, if you're new to the show, Brian will choose two albums. I will choose two albums. And then towards the end of December, when we're getting ready to record, we'll put all four of the albums up on Twitter as a poll. And whichever one wins the poll, that's the one we will do for January. Uh, so, Brian, what, uh, what are you going to put up there? I get two albums I've never heard before. Oh, okay. Uh, you want uh, you're you're addicted now to like the new new metal. Yeah. Well, I'm also addicted. I think from now on it's going to be one bad and one good. Okay. You know, like sure. that's going to be my my new way of doing things. Okay. So first, I got to give you the vinegar. I think uh, <laughs> okay. saliva every six <laughs> seconds. Oh no. <laughs> and I think that every six seconds chances are they mean thinking about sex 
You know yeah, what I mean? Oh, for sure. Well, for me, it's how often I'll be thinking about turning it off. <laughs> and then my second one is going to be Limp Biscuit Gold Cobra. Oh, okay. I don't mind that. I've never listened to that front to back. So that would me be neither. an interesting one to do. So I sort of thought we've done bad albums for two months in a row. Uh, so it might be time to turn the tide. And it's a new year, new year, new us. So I thought we could, I'm going to put up just two stone cold classics. I don't give a shit. Uh, the first one I think is apropos, given that it's this album's 20th anniversary. Uh, I'm going to put up Deftones, White Pony. Fuck. Uh, because their, the remix album, Black Stallion, also comes out this month. So if we were to do White Pony, I would imagine we'd probably talk a little bit about Black Stallion on the show. So that's number one. And number two, and this is going to be controversial to you, Brian, and maybe to some of our listeners. We've never put them up on the poll before. There is a debate as to whether or not they're new metal. Oh, hell so yeah. we can settle it. I'm going to put up Rage Against the Machine, Evil Empire. Okay. I don't even have to listen to either one of these two albums. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. <laughs> they're, they're embedded in my brain. Both yeah. Of those I ones. think Evil Empire I'd probably have to listen to, but White Pony I wouldn't, so... Um, yeah, so those are, so those are the four, uh, we'll get that poll going at the end of December. Uh, again, you can uh, vote on those polls, uh, as well as the winner of the challenge at uh, our Twitter, which is the POD underscore cast on Twitter and cast is spelled with a K like corn. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash the POD cast. Uh, thank you for tuning in again. we got a live show coming up at the end of this month. It's going to be super fun. we got a bunch of singles coming out. Lots of good stuff. So check out our Patreon. Check out our Twitter. Thanks for supporting us. Ah, I'm excited to never listen to this album again. We'll see you back here next month. Bye. Bye.